Shall we pray as we look at God's word together? Father God, we thank you, Lord, for your word. We thank you, Lord, for this place. Thank you, Lord, for the privilege of worshipping you. Lord, we ask that by your power of your Holy Spirit, you might speak to us, Lord. We pray for wisdom this morning. We pray for hearts that are open. Lord, whether we're sure what we believe or not sure what we believe, whether we feel very close to you this morning or very far, Father God, may the words that are about to be spoken, Lord, only glorify you and only build up your people, Father, and only be for your goodness and your fame and your honour. And we lift them all to you now in Jesus' name. Amen. You'll never guess what happened last night. I had a vision. Serious. I'm not even lying. A vision. And in my vision, I actually went to heaven. It's all last night. I laid in bed, and this is what happened as I laid there. The most amazing vision opened up in front of me yesterday evening as I laid there. And I actually visited heaven itself, if you can believe that. I saw the beauty of that holy place. I was met by St. Peter himself. And he showed me the lights and the beauty and the wonderment of heaven up there. St. Peter walked me through the streets of gold. I saw Moses, Elijah and many other famous Christians who have passed away long ago. He showed me the pearly gates and the new Jerusalem. As we walked, we came to a very strange room. A strange room that as I went in, there was a, a giant wall. And on the wall were millions upon millions of clock faces. And these clock faces had hands that were going at different speeds to each of, each of the other clock faces. And I looked and I saw some were going around very quickly, some were moving very slowly, some hardly at all, some perhaps a bit too quickly. And I noticed as I walked along, there was a name underneath each clock face. I saw your name, Daphne, under a clock face. I saw Christine's, I saw Debbie's, I saw David's. As I walked along, I saw each and every one of your names and I began to wonder what on earth these clock faces with these hands that were moving at different speeds represented. So I said to St. Peter, St. Peter, what do these clock faces with these hands that move at different speeds represent? He said to me, Gary, this is how we monitor sin on earth. He said, every time a hand moves, a sin has been committed. I said, wow. And he said, so of course, if the hands are moving very fast, that person's having a bad day and they're sinning quite a lot. If it's hardly moving, then they're having a very good day and keeping themselves holier, uh, as, I've, as God's asked them to. And so I carried on walking in awe of this wall full of these clock faces. I saw Tim's name, I saw David Gray, I saw Anne and Joan and Irene. But it's funny, as I looked, I realised there's one name I couldn't find. I kept looking, I couldn't find Laz's name. And I'm looking and I'm thinking, where is Laz? I saw Elena, um, and I saw Andrea, and I, but I couldn't find Laz's name. In fact, eventually I did find your name, Laz. Um, but above your name, the, the clock had been taken off. And so I said to St. Peter, I said, tell me, please, where is Laz's clock? And he said, that one's going round so fast we've put it in the office as a fan. <laughs> and there ends the longest joke in church history. <laughs> I told that joke five years, six years ago. I think Roger was the uh, punchline then. And uh, I've had to wait until people have forgotten it. <laughs> when I used to uh, work in Bethnal Green, a guy called Ted used to like telling me religious jokes. Uh, bless him. As soon as he found out I was a Christian, every day I'd get another religious joke. It helped me perfect my, I'm not really comfortable with this, but I don't want to be rude face. Um, which I'm sure you've done if you work in secular work. Um, and he said to me once, he said, Gary, what's the opposite of sin? I said, well, I think probably biblically it's um, probably godliness. He said, no, sat. Sin, sat. Sin, sat. No? Wow. 
Being from Essex, that joke's much funnier down there. Never mind. It's in, it's out. Sorry, I should have pronounced all the letters correctly. Sin, sat, never mind. Wow. Okay, the next bit of time's going to be tough. Anyway, um, but this sin that we talk about, this word that's used over 400 times in the Bible across our 66 books in the Bible is no laughing matter, is it? In fact, this core concept of sin uh, actually helps us understand our need of Jesus Christ's death on the cross, his resurrection. It helps understand why our world is constantly in a state of brokenness and mess. Why is it we've never been able to fix planet Earth and humanity? And sin is how we understand that as Christians. This is why the world doesn't work. John Bunyan, a famous Christian, said, One leak will sink a ship. One sin will destroy a sinner. I wonder this morning how many of us are sinking. Because that one thing just takes root and we cannot get rid of it. You put a brave face on, but you're sinking slowly but surely. Sin is spoken a lot over those 66 books in our Bible. Over and over and over. Yet in many churches, many Christians don't understand sin correctly. Their approach to it is either softened or completely skewed. Just a couple of things, they hopefully will appear behind me. The first thing we do when it comes to sin is we grade it. We tend to grade sin, don't we, as Christians? We say, well, or as people, we say, well, you know, I've not shot anybody or I've not robbed a bank. That's, I'm not as bad as that person. I won't pick on Laz for that one. Um, but we sort of think, well, a little white lie is all right, and, and that's not as bad as that stuff. And God surely doesn't mind that stuff as much as he minds that stuff. And so we grade our sin. So we compare violent crime to little white lies. And actually all we do is twist righteousness. And we end up with not righteousness, but right-ishness, good-enoughness compared to others when God intends us for true godliness. Another mistake we make is we don't really talk about sin. I wonder if it is a part of our daily routine as Christians, not just to pray, give me my daily bread, but to also pray, forgive me for my sin, as I forgive those who sin against me. We're supposed to be people that ask forgiveness of our God on a daily basis, moment by moment, knowing that he will forgive us. And the third thing is I wonder if conceptually we miss completely what sin is and what it does. Somebody wrote this, what is sin? Man calls it an accident, God calls it an abomination. Man calls it an error, God calls it enmity. Man calls it a liberty, God calls it lawlessness. Man calls it only a trifle, God calls it a tragedy. Man calls it a mistake. God calls it a madness. Man calls it a weakness. God calls it willfulness. Today and next week we're going to be looking at that word sin. This week we're going to simply ask the question, what is it? And next week we're going to look at what it does, the effect of sin in our lives. And I am hoping, above all hope, that there's a woman that I've asked to come and share her testimony, that she is able to become and share her story because she just encapsulates what sin does when left completely unchecked. And I'm hoping, she's not very well, unfortunately, I'm hoping that she'll be better and be able to share her story with us next week. And she will answer that question, what does sin do? But also, what does Christ do as well? But this week, we're looking at that question, what is sin? That's going to take us to Advent and Jesus and then Christmas and the Saviour who came to free us from our sin. So what is sin? Well, we answered the question via a cup, and Janice, God bless you, um, I promise not to pick on you for at least three months, or maybe three weeks. Anyway, and the word sin literally means to miss the mark. And at the root of the word sin is also used, or was used, in archery to determine when someone missed 
the target. And in Romans chapter 3, verse 23, Paul writes, For all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God. Every human being has sinned and fallen short of God's glory. Some may get closer to it than others, but all of us fall short of God's glory. And that's a really important verse for us and for that question. What is sin? Sin is simply any action, any thought, any word, any intention, any priority that falls short of God's perfect standard. So a sin isn't only a sin simply by how bad me or my culture determines it to be, or whether or not, but simply whether or not it misses God's perfect standard. I've got to confess something to you. I like education. And recently I attended a course on speed awareness. <laughs> now, some of you are laughing in judgment. <laughs> some of us, we've all been there. I won't ask for a hands up because you're not as liberated as I am. Anyway, I had to attend the speed awareness course. Now, despite what they said on the course, I've got a, an all right excuse. I was when this tooth was infected and I was in more pain than I think any person in this room has ever experienced. That's true. All planet Earth. Anyway, and, uh, and I was coming back from Peterborough or Bedford or I can't remember even where and I was a little bit over the speed limit. So I'd like to... My name's Gary. I've broken the speed limit and I've attended a speed awareness course. My bad. I am, I am very sorry. And I'm, not actually, I'm actually quite embarrassed. And I thank God that during the course we didn't go around and share professions. Yeah, that would have been awful. <laughs> Can you imagine? Oh, clerical, clerical. Anyway... Um, but it occurred to me as we queued up to enter this uh, nice hotel in uh, Waltham Abbey, um, all of us were so different. You had older, a couple of older people there in their 70s. We had uh, people, uh, mums with young children. We had a couple of boy racers. We had people like me. And, uh, and actually, some of us had been a few miles over the speed limit. Some of us had been a lot over the speed limit. Yet when it came to the speed awareness people and the police and whoever runs these things, it didn't matter because all of us had transgressed the law. All of us had fallen short of the speed limit, if it by a little bit or by a lot. And that's actually the same as sin. It doesn't matter what you do in your eyes and how bad it is, but actually all of us break God's law. John Wesley's mum, Suzanne, defines sin to her young son like this. She said, If you would judge the lawfulness or unlawfulness of a pleasure, then take this simple rule. Whatever weakens your reason, impairs your tenderness of your conscience, obscures your sense of God, and takes off the relish of spiritual things. That for you is a sin. Somebody else once wrote, Once we assure our conscience by calling something a necessary evil, it begins to look more and more necessary and less and less evil. So there's more to say about sin. So it's missing the mark. The second thing I want to say is that sin is universal and it's also original. Psalm 51 verse 5 says, Surely I was sinful at birth. Sinful from the time my mother conceived me. Ephesians chapter 2 verse 3 says all of us lived among them at one time, gratifying the cravings of our flesh and following its desires and thoughts. Like the rest, we were by nature deserving of wrath, deserving of punishment for our sin. Psalm 14 verse 2 and 3 says the Lord looked down from heaven on all mankind to see if there are any who understand, any who seek God. All have turned away. All have become corrupt. There is not even one who does good. Not even one, sorry. And actually, we can be really wrong in our understanding of sin, can't we, in the sins we can commit. We can mistakenly believe that we're all basically good at birth, but we become bad through our mistakes and our bad choices. 
But the Bible says the opposite. The Bible says that we are all basically broken and sinful at birth. And we become guilty by our choices and our decisions. That's called original sin. In the Adam and Eve first sinned in the Garden of Eden. And it has been passed down to every one of us as part of our DNA and our nature. Every single human being. Have you ever eaten an apple that's had half a worm in it like that? Well, it's not half a worm. It's a massive worm. Anyway, but perhaps you've uh, taken a bite out of an apple and you find half the worm still in there and you think, Ugh. Ever wondered how that worm got there in the first place? Sometimes they burrow in from the outside. But I'm reliably informed by the internet that the codling moth in spring will lay its eggs in a newly growing fruit and sometimes even in the blossom itself, so that by the time an apple reaches full maturity, guess what's already in it? The worm. And then when the worm is fully grown, it's going to put you off. Don't worry, Tesco's have us covered. Everything's very sanitised. Uh, it crawls out. It's all ready there. And when it comes to sin, it's all ready there at birth. It hasn't developed and mature we haven't made those choices that we're guilty for before god but actually it's already there we're already broken that doesn't mean that you're a terrible sinner at six months old and the dangers of eternity away from god i don't believe that at all jesus said that the little children come to me there is a difference between being broken and being guilty you cannot be guilty at three days old or three weeks old but you can be guilty as you get older and choose to um, turn away from God. So sin is both universal, it's original to us, and it's a part of our nature. We're not basically good who just happen to fall to temptation. We are basically broken with natures that need cleaning and changing and redeeming. And that is why Christ died for us. That is why self-help is no help. Because only Jesus can do for you what you so desperately need, which is make you clean. Romans 3.23 says, All have sinned and fall short of the glory of God. And then Paul goes on and says, And all are justified freely by his grace through the redemption that came by Christ Jesus. God presented Christ as a sacrifice of atonement through the shedding of his blood to be received by faith. He did this to demonstrate his righteousness because in his forbearance he left the sins committed beforehand unpunished. He did it to demonstrate his righteousness at the present time, so as to be just and the one who justifies those who have faith in Jesus. Only Christ can set us free. Only Christ can clean our nature. But there is so much more to say because you could hear all that and say, well, there you are, I was born like it, I've got a sinful nature, what are you going to do? I may as well carry on doing the stuff I can't help myself but do. But there's a third thing to say about sin. We're asking, what is it? Well, the third thing to say is that sin is always my choice. And this is not what human beings want to hear. It's your fault. It's the way of the world. But actually, every sin I've ever committed has been down to me, not you. Adam and Eve in the Garden of Eden did not have to eat the fruit from that tree Cain did not have to kill his brother. He was not powerless to resist the sin that crouched at his door. And God said to him in Genesis 4, verse 7, Sin is crouching at your door. It desires to have you, but you must rule over it. We are able to resist our sin. In the book of James, James writes in uh, chapter 1, verse 12, and, uh, 18, 12 to 18, so blessed is the one who perseveres under trial because having stood the test that person will receive the crown of life that the Lord has promised to those who love him when tempted no one should say God is tempting me for God cannot be tempted by evil nor does he tempt anyone 
But each person is tempted when they are dragged away by their own desire and enticed. Then after desire has conceived, it gives birth to sin. And when sin is fully grown, it gives birth to death. Don't be deceived, my brothers and sisters. Every good and perfect gift is from above, coming down from the Father of the heavenly lights, who does not change like shifting shadows. He chose us to give birth. He, sorry, he chose to give us birth, shall I say, through the word of truth, that we might be a kind of first fruits for all who were created, all he created. It is our choice to obey or disobey fundamentally. We should pray for self-control, for strength in that. And what's wonderful is that in God's amazing plan of salvation, not only has he sent Jesus to take our punishment for our sin, through the power of the Holy Spirit, he has come to give us a brand new nature, no longer sinful, but actually now spiritual, a new nature. 2 Corinthians chapter 5, verse 17 says, Therefore, if anyone is in Christ, the new creation has come. The old has gone, the new is here. God changes our old nature and gives us a brand new one. So if you're a Christian here this morning, sin does not rule over you the way it once did before you knew Jesus Christ. And then there's one final thing to say about sin. And actually, it's quite an important thing to get your head around because we tend to think of sin as what we do. I've done that, I'm sorry. I did that, I thought that, I said that. But actually, there's a strong teaching in the Bible that flips that on its head, that sin isn't just what you do. It's also what you don't do. They refer to this as the sin of omission, which sounds very grand. James chapter 4, verse 17 says, If anyone then knows the good they ought to do and does not do it, it is sin for them. That's quite a frightening thought, isn't it? And so sin is so much more than what we might conceive as bad culturally or personally. It's more than what's simply illegal according to the laws of our land or even what might harm us in the short term. Sin is more than just simply bad decision-making. Sin is whatever breaks God's perfect law. It has eternal consequences. It has immediate ones. It wrecks our lives. It twists our hearts until good seems bad and bad seems okay. But thanks be to God that in his great mercy he has given us new birth into a living hope through the resurrection of Jesus Christ from the dead. And so the reason for all this is to show that we need help, that we need saving, not just from other people, but from the guilt of our own deliberate sin. We are broken, we are unrighteous, we are all lost at birth, yet God, in his everlasting love, in his goodness and his righteousness, has sent the one, the perfect Lamb of God, Jesus the Christ, the eternal Son of God, who was there at creation, who is from everlasting who took on flesh at Christmas. He became a human being, the divine and godly nature, um, the divine and human nature in one flesh, one form, that perfect son of God, son of man. He took all of our unrighteousness. He covered himself in our sin. He became guilty for our sin. He became our substitute in his death. He did for us and for me what we were unable to do. He took the full wrath of God for our conscious, deliberate sin and he died for us. And then having paid that great cost, he rose from the grave, empowered to declare the guilty free, the dirty clean and the lost found. And so today, think about your sin and be humbled. Not only because of the things we've done, but because of what Christ has done on our behalf. And be thankful in the knowledge that you and I, sinners by birth, 
are still safe and free in the hands of a holy God, but more than that, invited into his very presence. And be thankful. We're going to sing two songs and just encourage you to turn that into praise and worship. And maybe as we sing, just to think of those things that happened this week or maybe even years ago you've never said sorry to God for, to actually say, God, I'm sorry for that, knowing that he will forgive you because Christ has already taken the punishment for you on the cross. That is Christianity. That is our message that God so loved the world, he gave his one and only son that we shall not perish. Whoever believes in him will not perish but have everlasting life. And if you're feeling good, then lift your heart and just thank God that even though you've done all those things you shouldn't, you are still allowed in the very presence of the King of Kings.